Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. It is time for Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. And today we are talking about digital banking. It was all over the news yesterday, MAS uh, announcing the criteria it's going to be looking at to roll out those five new digital bank licenses. Timothy Chen joining me live for a conversation. He's co-founder and CEO of Max Finks. And we're going to talk about digital banking, what it means for you, and how it will impact traditional players here in Singapore, the new licenses. And we'll also talk about whether or not Singaporeans are ready for this new form of banking and uh, its iterants, right? And how Max Finks is going to play a big role in this shift. All eyes on the possible fintech partnership since MAS announced yesterday at least one party in the group applying for the new digital license must have a track record of three or four years of operating a business in the tech or e-commerce field. We know that several companies like Razer, Singtel, ride-hailing firm Grab, Peer2 Peer lender Validus Capital have all indicated their interests, and MAS will be accepting applications till December 31st. We're expecting business to start mid 2020. But first, let's welcome to the show mid 2021, I should say. Tim, welcome to Money and Me. How are you, Timothy Chen? Very well, thank you. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. So, your office is right here in Suntec City. Thrilled to hear that. Share with us a little before we get going with the discussion what Max Finks's role really is in the rise of digital banking. Well, we are a homegrown company and we have been incubating digital banking core technology over the past three years. We started as an academic product and we commercialized it with our Taiwanese partners and we implemented it in, in Taiwan, converting a traditional bank there into a full-fledged digital bank within the span of nine months. And uh, our team also was very involved in helping them to transform their business model to a full digital bank. So that is who we are. I think technology-wise, we are a digital banking enabler and we have very exciting modules like fraud detection, alternative data scoring, credit scoring and a blockchain for EKYC and we have the whole thing. So when it comes to digital banking in Singapore, mm. we have had contact with close to 15 consortiums out there and um, we do kind of know the market and we speak with some of them and say that how we can go in and partner with them mm. to help them to turn themselves or make themselves into a pure digital bank. You're just the guy we need to speak with. So you're a you. banking enabler, you say. You're essentially the tech in the fintech. That's you? right. And ahead of the curve, since you've been in business uh, for about three years, I want to get your comments on what MAS announced yesterday. This idea that at least one party in the group applying for the new digital license must have a track record of three or four years operating in a tech or e-commerce field. How significant is that announcement? I think it is very significant. As you know, banking is a core pillar of our industry. We cannot let any startups come and play this game because it involves people's hard earned money and when MAS announced that they require people three years or more of this technology or e-commerce know-how, I think it is very important for the running of this business because digital banking in a way runs a lot on technology and running a lot of this kind of technology kind of companies. So this kind of knowledge is, is very, very important. Yeah, so track record important, uh, but also the embrace of the new. And I understand your new underlying architecture for digital banking in the cloud stands apart from legacy systems. Tell us a bit more. How technical can I go? Okay, not too much. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast. Okay, legacy systems, <laughs> legacy systems are very monolithic. 
monolithic meaning that it cannot expand very easily mm-hmm. in, in a layman's term. And what we did is that we developed this product called BankRis. BankRis, which sits on top of this core bank system, this kind of legacy core banking system, and allows the banks or digital players to add new functions without touching the core banking system. So imagine if it's the old system, you have new functions, you have, we look at the overall architecture, you see all the spaghetti straps, lines right back to the core banking system, but when you add a layer in between, there is a simplification and a containment of this new service. Easy enough? Well done. Well <laughs> said, I have to say. Okay, so as you mentioned a while ago, Max Finks is working with some parties that are applying for the digital banking license. Can you tell us about who these parties are and how involved you are with them? Well, the last I counted, there are close to 40 parties involved. They want to be involved in this digital banking space. And um, some of the names that you read in the media... It's true, uh, they are going for this license, and I think our involvement in some of these consortiums is that we provide two areas. One is the technology know-how, yep. and the second is the operational know-how, because when we had a working relationship with the uh, digital bank in Taiwan, our team of consultants also helped them in streamlining their business and converting traditional banking landscape into a digital banking kind of operation model, which is very different. Mm-mm-mm. Nice dodge of the question there. So we know that uh, firms that have put their hands up and indicated some interest are Razor, Singtel, Grab, uh, Validus Capital. But I want to ask you specifically for Max Finks. Um, how do you see digital banking really impacting Singapore's banking landscape? Well, that's a good question. We have not had a digital bank yet until 2021. But um, if we look at how China has done it, we look at how UK has done it. Even Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, Hong Kong is part of China. It's a sensitive question, but <laughs> <It's not cool>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think they brought about a lot of good changes in the banking industry. But having said that, in Singapore we have had digital financial services, e-payments, e-wallets, P2P, e-remittance. I think all these kind of services have brought great value to the clients, to the consumers, because they offer better value, they offer cheaper rates, easier access to credit. So yes, I think that it is a definitely a positive direction that we are going to. Yeah, okay, so it's liberalizing the banking industry. What do you see digital banks offering clients that traditional banks cannot? Because when most people think of liberalizing the industry, they think increase competition and reduce costs. Well, we go back to the fundamentals of digital banks. Digital banks, as you know, they have a low-cost structure. They are branchless. They, are, they do not have ATMs. So with this low-cost structure, and everything is streamlined, back-end is all streamlined, um, they are able to offer better rates to their customers higher savings rates, which we all love, Uh, (laughs) lower transaction fees, lower FX spreads, but more importantly, I think it is the um, the customer experience, the analytics that we can add on, how it can be personalized to each customer based on this data gathering, this data analytics, this AI model that we have. I think this is something that stands apart from currently what we have. This is the uh, mobile banking. It's a very, very different kind of experience. Let me give you an example. Sure. We spoke about Metro, and let's say, just say that I went to Metro and bought a nice shirt. Mm-hmm. And my digital bank app prompts up and says, oh, you know what? Uh, you bought yourself a nice shirt. Your wife's birthday is coming. Why don't you pick this up for her at the same time with this kind of discounts and things like this? So it's very interactive. It's very personalized wow. that you don't see many banking apps today being able to do that. Wow. So banking is really going to change, it sounds, from the likes of it, because people have just been focused maybe on the lack of the personal relationship that you have with your personal banker. But it sounds like with analytics, with data as a lifeblood, actually, you might see an even deeper relationship with your bank. Absolutely. 
Goodness me. Uh, do you think that Singapore is ready for digital banking, a larger rollout of it? Well, I feel that we are in a way ready. If you see how we have embraced the e-wallet, the e-payments, oh, cashless yes. society, our PM came online and announced that we have to go towards this cashless society, national QR code, past two years. We took a bit longer than expected. It's because that we came from a very, I would say, a very well-served financial services background. We have all the credit cards, debit cards, payments and all. We, we were well-served. So for us to take up this, the initial cashless society took us some time, but we have gotten there. And I believe that you know, digital banking is just the next evolution of it. Help us understand these new five digital bank licenses that the MAS is set to issue. And they will accept applications till December 31st. Successful applicants, we're looking that their names are going to be revealed mid-2020. So that's the middle of next year. Help us understand what the new digital bank licenses will allow. Everybody looking for services that maybe can be tailored towards the unbanked maybe, or SMEs looking forward to being able to get liquidity if they haven't been able to with the traditional banks. What do these new digital banking licenses really allow for in terms of banking? You are absolutely right, Michelle. You just answered the same question. I tend to do that. <laughs> but uh, one thing <laughs> I would like to say, a digital bank license allows these players to take deposits. And you know how powerful deposits can be when it's a low-cost capital on loan to their customers. And um, what else does it entail? It entails the same kind of governance, uh, regulatory compliance, hmm like the traditional banks because this is like I said it's involving people's heart and money and the digital banking license as you know there's the two parts of it there's the digital retail side the full retail license that caters to both retailers uh, retail customers and the corporate customers and there's the dedicated wholesale side that caters more towards the SMEs Okay, I'm going to throw you a curveball here sure. you mentioned no branches so how do I withdraw money from my digital bank? Well, you know, according to PM, we should be going cashless, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to give up my cash just yet. Okay, is the total digitization of banking, do you think it is inevitable here in Singapore? And um, how accessible is digital infrastructure? How capable is digital structure of uh, supporting the total digitization of banking? We, we have this Smart Nation initiative. So we are definitely moving towards the direction of digitalization of this banking. is inevitable. But having said that, I think that our three incumbent local banks are doing a wonderful job. Their front-end, mm -hmm. their back-end processes, their systems, I would say one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the transition will take as long as how MAS has named it. Um, it's going to be released in 2021. Based on our experience after the awardment of a digital bank, uh, based on our experience in Taiwan, when we went in, we, we enabled the traditional bank to be a full-fledged digital bank, I think about nine months to a year. So I think that's about the time frame is about right. Yeah. So if we come back to the banking ecosystem here, uh, in what ways do you think the entry of new digital players is really going to add diversity? Right now we're looking at just five. So it's sort of a sandbox approach. How significantly will it add diversity to our banking system? Well, I'll give you an analogy. If you look at the, our original three mobile players, and you have a whole bunch of MVNOs coming in, Circle Life, My Republic. It kind of shook up the market. What does that mean? Lower fees for the customers, everyone's trying to up one another, offering better rates. You say the same thing for digital banking. Digital banks are well known to offer innovative banking products, but um, how would it strengthen it? It's very similar. You look at how the incumbents do it, the incumbent uh, telco players. Mm -hmm. The MVNOs come in with this great package of data per month, and Next thing you know, the incumbents come back with a better plan. So I believe that it's a very healthy competition that we will be facing. It's good for you and me. 
generally. Okay, I'm glad to hear you're so positive. Um, in terms of the rise of digital banking, do you think that the three big banks are already looking for new opportunities when it comes to digital banking? Absolutely, absolutely. Based on a conversation with some of the new consortiums, what they don't understand is that, or what they are not familiar with, I don't say don't understand, they're not familiar with is the back end, how cumbersome the back end can be, mm. the regulatory compliance, the risk management. And that's where I see an opportunity for the traditional banks, where they can literally, uh, digital banks can outsource their back end to these traditional banks in a way. If you think on the other side, mm. if the traditional banks see these digital banks as an extension of a mobile channel, I don't see why they cannot be cross-selling their products on some of these digital banks, just like how the insurance companies were selling their insurance products with some of these banks. So I see that there are definitely opportunities. Talking about the future of digital banking with Timothy Chen. He's co-founder and CEO of Max Finks. And Max Finks uh, has been working with some of the parties which are interested in applying for that digital bank license. Five expected. Uh, the MAS set to issue up to five new licenses, extending the digital bank licenses uh, to players with experience in the entrepreneurship and the tech fields. Now tell us, uh, we talked about healthy competition. But do you think the new players could be a threat to traditional banking? Definitely. I give the example of the telco space. It's definitely that they will face the same kind of threat. And um, another analogy, I would like to say. Okay. Let's talk about e-commerce. Let's talk about the brick and mortar, that's, which is surrounding us right now. We can see how e-commerce came in and kind of disrupted the traditional brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. And e-commerce came in, they offer cheaper rates, products directly from overseas, direct shipping to your door. So this kind of competition, in a kind of analogy kind of way, will happen to the traditional banks. Now, what do you think digital banks need to do in terms of retaining their loyal clients and uh, winning over clients in terms of competition with traditional counterparts? What do you think digital banks are going to be able to have to do? Traditional banks have something, what I say is a key advantage. They have a huge pool of customers. All they have to do is to go back to the drawing board. We look at the entire banking model rethink how banking can be done for the future. And with that base that they really have, I don't see why they cannot post a better competition with the digital banks. And listen to programs like this. Absolutely. And give them a view around I the corner. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, um, what do you think the challenger digital banks should not do so they just become another, you know, almost a, a photocopy of an existing bank? Well, this business plan kind of theory we can go on for two days and two nights and we, really? will, we, will, we will never cover enough of it but um, if we talk about just retail digital retail bank I think it's very important that they focus on the customer journey being very customer centric and everything placing customer as the priority for the SME side uh, wholesale banking it is giving these SMEs, like what you mentioned earlier, easy access to credit, lower transaction fees, lower FX spread, really helping these SMEs to grow their business. Mm. And uh, to me, that is, is, is invaluable. When you bring value to your customers, customers will bring business to you. And I would just add, maybe the digital banks can do away with those call-ins where you have to press 1, press 2, press 3, press asterisk, and then wait for half an hour before you're it. seen to. Yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to someone human. Either that or a really smart AI yes, chatbot. Absolutely. Do you think that there is any potential for destructive competition with the new digital banks coming in and does Singapore have to lay in some safeguards to prevent being overbanked? If we look around us right now, you see tons of coffee shops, coffee joints, you see lots of bubble tea shops. Are we at risk of being overbanked? Um, I don't think so. I think that every shop has its own niche of customers. 
and uh, they just have to focus on, uh, on serving their customers really, really well. If you think about it, Singapore has close to 200 financial institutions right now before the issuance of digital banks. Are we overbanked right now? Some may say yes. Mm, mm. But to me, I see that as healthy competition. It's very simple. Economics 101. If you don't keep up with the times, you lose out. You fall behind and you go into the sunset. You snooze, you lose. Absolutely. <laughs> so, final question for you, Tim. Maybank may be looking for a tech partner now that they are in the running for one of the five digital banking licenses uh, that MAS will issue. And MAS has said that the value proposition is a key criteria. So, what kind of value proposition can banks look for from tech firms like yourself? Right, I have to promote our company for a little while, can I? Can I? No, All right, I, blow on your trumpet. <laughs> no, I think that what the small tech companies, uh, niche tech companies like ourselves, we offer very agile technology products can help the bank, these digital banks to scale up. And more importantly, let's, let's look at a bigger picture. Some of these technology players, they have a big pool of customers. They are e-commerce players. They mm. really have their own ecosystem. I don't see why the traditional banks don't work with them and offer additional kind of banking services to this pool of customers. And most importantly, I'll close this off by saying that by working with the technology players, you're actually focusing on the innovative culture, which, as you know, a lot of our banks may not have. I cannot say do not have. I'll say may not have. And when we talk about digital banking, it's banking 3.0. And it's very important that they adopt this kind of landscape, this kind of mindset to create a new kind of banking revolution in Singapore and the whole world. Well, I'm going to borrow that beautiful turn of phrase of yours. We've been talking about Banking 3.0 with the rolling out of the new digital bank licenses, especially in light of what MAS announced just yesterday with Timothy Chen, co-founder and CEO of Max Finks. Tim, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.